tonight. We'll welcome all of you uh, at home, online. Welcome all of you who are with us on uh, Thursday night. And uh, we are starting a brand new series. I want to get to that in a second. But first, let me just say something in case you haven't been paying attention. There was an election this week. I'm just going to be straight honest with you. I have not been worried or concerned or stressed all week. I still don't know who's going to be our next president. I got a feeling by watching the numbers, I kind of know what it looks like it's going to be. But I was like, either way, Jesus is still on the throne. And we just got to keep that in mind. Um, you know, it seems like every election, like leading up to it, some celebrity says, if this person wins, I'm, I'm leaving. You know what I found out? They never leave. They're still here, Right. And it's the people on both sides. So it's not, I'm not picking on one side. It's like people on both sides. Like if that person, I'm, I'm out of here. No, we, we, sometimes we look at this stuff like it is the be all end all and it's important stuff. It really is. But the be all end all is found in Jesus. And uh, that's where we have our hope. And that's where we have our trust. I saw somebody post this week. Uh, it was the words from an old hymn, which I really love. It says something about like, I, my hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And if you grew up in church, you're like, oh, I love that song. I love that song too, man. That's, that's good doctrine right there. That, that's where our hope is. So before we do anything else, let's just pray, okay? God, we, we place our country before you, our state, our, our cities, our valley right here. We pray for uh, across this nation, leaders who are in positions of governmental authority. In fact, your word asks us to pray for these very people, so we want to do that. And whoever's going to be our next president, they're going to need your help. Whoever's going to sit in those Senate seats, they're going to need your help. And a House representative, they're going to need your help. And so, God, we pray that uh, you would continue to raise up people who have a heart for you, who listen to your wisdom, who follow you. But, God, whoever's in office, we're still going to put our hope in you. Thank you, God, for still being in charge. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We're starting this brand new series called Financial Freedom. If you're new to community, you may not know this, but every stinking November, I talk about this stuff. Every year, I talk about the same stuff. Now, I may do it in different ways, but we talk about financial stuff every year, every year, every year. And some of you are like, you know, why, why, why? Why does the church have to talk about money? Why do we need to do this? And so let me just kind of give you some, some backstory and a little bit of picture on this. And I gave you actually three weeks ago, I gave you a bunch of depressing statistics about the financial state of individuals in our country right now. And I'm going to, I want to go back and I'm going to hit some of those, but I want you to write this number down. If you got, if you're taking notes somewhere, write this down. If you got your phone, uh, get out your notes and I want you to write this number down. I'm going to explain it in a little bit. Here's the number, 2,350. I did not give you this number three weeks ago. This is a new one. So for those of you who mesmerize everything I say, which isn't even me, uh, 2,350. Keep that number in mind. I'm going to come back to that. But here's a couple of things I shared with you a few weeks ago. These things are still true because they were current just three weeks ago. These were fresh statistics. The average American household has in credit card debt, the average American household has $8,398 in debt, just their credit cards, not counting cars, student loans, homes, all the other kinds of debt we could be in, $8,398. But 
if you remember this from three weeks ago, Californians are always just a step above everybody else. Not quite as bad as Texas, because they're bigger and better than everybody else, but California, our average family debt in credit cards is $10,496. Now, here's, here's an even more depressing thing. 53% of Americans who are in debt on their credit cards are only paying the monthly minimum payment, which means for a debt of $10,000, it's going to take them almost 40 years to pay that off. And by the time they're done, they will have paid over $10,000 just in interest over that time period. They're going to pay double what they owe. The average student loan now is over $37,000. 77 million Americans are in debt collections right now. 77 million people are stressed out of their mind getting phone calls every day from creditors. Just let that one sink in. 77 million Americans. Americans have twice the amount of consumer debt than they have in their savings account. And that's scary to me. Uh, and here's what I shared with you three weeks ago. Now I'm going to give you some new stuff. 40% of American uh, adults, so 40% of American adults if they got a $400 emergency bill of some sort, broken down car, health thing, whatever, $400, they would have to sell something or borrow money to pay that off. $400, that's all. 40% of Americans would have to get some help. Now, take these statistics, and I know these are current, but you do throw COVID on top of that. And maybe the pressure, maybe the stress has has been even like, like the screws are tightened even more. Now, a year ago from right now, CNBC came out with a report and gave very, a lot of similar uh, stats, but I wanted to give you more recent ones. But the, the one takeaway was a quote I got from that. Listen to this carefully. Neither full-time employment nor a solid income guarantees financial security. Did you even hear that one? Let me say that again. Neither full-time employment nor a solid income guarantees financial security. Why is that? Because we spend more than we bring in. If we make $30,000 a year, we spend $35,000. If we get a raise and we make $50,000, we spend sixty. dollars If we get $100,000, we spend $120,000. It doesn't matter how much we have. Based on our current spending plan in America, stress is just going to be a part of our life unless something changes, which means you can be making good money and everything might be okay right now because you get paid every other Friday. But there might be a time when the dominoes begin to fall and then the stress happens. So what are we going to do about this? If, if a solid income cannot guarantee financial security, financial freedom, what can? I'm going to give you two words. God's word. It's really three, God, God's apostrophe. It's really just two, God's word, right? That, that's actually the only hope we have if we're going to really get this. Now, I gave you this number, 2,350. Everybody say that out loud. 2,350. One more time. You at home do it too. 2,350. You know what that is? That's how many different verses in the Bible talk about money and possessions. Does that blow you away? Did you know Jesus talked more about money than he did about love? When, when people talk about Jesus, well, he, he was all about love, love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor. We, we know that, but he talked more about money and possessions than he did about love. He talked more, listen to this carefully, he talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. 
Here, here's, what, here's my takeaway, 2,350. Do you think God knows us or what? Does he know financial issues just might be an issue for us? I think he does. And, and, and here's why. Money is, is God's number one competition for our attention, for our heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I'm going to give you different verses from all over the place, so I'll have them on the screen for you. But Matthew 6, 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. This is the competition thing. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. My entire life, I felt like that was a misprint. It should have said, you can't serve both God and the devil. You know what I'm saying? That's, how, that's how, how it should read. No, God just knows us. You can't serve both God and money. And so what happens when we get up every day and serve the wrong God? I'll give you one example. Marriages crumble. I've been, I've been watching this for decades because I've been in the ministry for a long time. Some of you are younger and you're like, dude, you, you are old. I know I am, right? So I've been watching this for a long time. And for the longest time, the top two reasons for marriages to end is infidelity and money stress. The top two reasons. And I'll tell you right now, a good church should have an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because there are people who are just, their life just crumbles and falls. And we need to be there when that happens. But I'm going to tell you, at Community, our desire is not just to have an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Our desire is to have some help at the top of the cliff so people don't have to fall off. And so I talk about it every stinking November because I know this is the number one competitor for our heart and our soul. And I, and I hope that every time we do it, we, we maybe are reminded of some stuff we needed to hear. Maybe we catch something new, whatever it is, but like, God, by your word, speak to us again fresh. And in January, we're going to bring back Financial Peace University again. We do this every year, and it's a like an eight, nine, ten-week course. And it's awesome stuff from Dave Ramsey's ministry. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never done that, just plan now in being involved in January. It's going to probably be, you know, like two months, January, February. But be involved in that and check that out. Because what we want to imagine, what we want to pray for are marriages that have less stress in this area. So they can use that energy for, for healthy things and positive things and not land at the bottom of the cliff. We want to get some things fixed up here before it's too late in order to do that. And by the way, you, you might think, I, oh, I don't need this. I'm single. I don't need this. I'm young. I don't need this. I'm retired. I'm on a fixed income. I don't need this. I have a part-time job. I don't need this. You know what? We all need this. We, we all need the wisdom of God. And in, re, in reality, here's the idea. Whether we're in high school and college or we're retired or we're single or we're married, or, or like we said three weeks ago, we were talking about just budgeting ideas. We said, here's the thing. Man, you, you could be on an allowance or you could be the CEO of a major corporation. And you, you got to understand this stuff. If you want to know about life, you got to pay attention to what God says. And we have to have the right wisdom, but we also have to have the right attitude. In order to get that attitude, I need to stay connected to God's word. So there's this really amazing passage in First Chronicles, 
And I know most of you have this memorized, but I'm going to read it for you anyway. First Chronicles chapter 29, they're about ready to build the, the temple. David's getting ready to do this. Solomon's going to do this, but he takes up this huge offering. And I want you to hear part of the prayer as they're, as they're bringing in their offering. They have this prayer. Verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, the Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Listen to this. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. You guys ever heard of the band Sixpence, None the Richer? Like 20, 25 years ago, they were popular in Christian band circles, sixpence under richer. It comes from a story where a king uh, gives their child sixpence. So you know they're from Great Britain or someplace over there like that, right? So he gives their child sixpence because the, the child wants to buy them a gift. So he gives them the money to buy him a gift. So that he, gives the, he gives them sixpence. The child goes and buys a gift for sixpence, gives the gift to the dad. And the bottom line is, the dad, although he got a gift, was six pence none the richer. You catch that? It's like it was his money to start with. And, and the reality is it's all God's to start with. He doesn't get rich because we give to him. He doesn't get rich because we're generous with a neighbor or a friend or someone in need. It's all his to begin with. But I love that. There's so many truths in what he's saying here about wealth and honor come from you. Everything comes from you. We've only given what you put in our hand. Now, Jesus said something else, and this, this series title is Financial Freedom, but Jesus said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you weak, people. That was weak. I hope those of you at home are better than that. Okay, here we go. Jesus said, you got to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh, that was much better. Yeah, we know the answer to that. It's like free, and I want you to be free. So we have to get the truth, and we have to get the truth right. We have to get our attitude right. Let's get our decisions right when it comes to our finances so that we can experience financial freedom. So here's what I want to do. In order to get the truth, I want to start with some lies. I want to, in fact, I want to give you lies that sound like truths. Lies that sound like truths. I'm going to give you three of those, and then I'm going to give you three truths that sound like lies. But we're going to use the Word of God. This is like my idea of stuff. It's like we're going to use the Word of God to get this. So number one, the first lie that sounds like a truth is all the church talks about is money. Well, if the only time you visit here in November, I could understand why you would say that. Now, well, why do people say that? Because not all, but many televangelists have one message. And during the entire message, there's a MasterCard and a Visa symbol on the bottom of the screen. The entire message is you need to send in $1,000 of seed money because the harvest is about to come. And really what they're doing is they are raising money for their new jet or two. You know, if you watch television evangelists sometimes, that's what you get. And I'm not going to call out anybody and anything like that. It's just like, I've seen it and I'm watching it and it kind of turns my stomach. And I know that they give all churches really a bad name when that's their approach. But in all fairness, I didn't want to do this. I want to, 
I'm going to show you a picture of my jet. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Wait, that's not, that's the wrong picture. Show them the my jet. There it is. There's my jet. Anybody else have that jet? Kirk, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You get on the plane, you go, come on, exit seat. Right? That's, that's our jet. $49. You can go anywhere. The negative press that some churches and some crazy pastors get uh, makes all churches look bad. And then here's the downside of that. Instead of people coming and hearing the truth about money, they have this distorted picture of what they think God says about it. So we're not even to the truth yet. Let me, let me just throw a truth in here for you real quick. Our handling of money is a spiritual matter. 2,350. <laughs> we have to talk about it because the Bible talks about it a lot if we're going to be honest and fair with the truth of God's word. Number two, another lie that sounds like truth. Number two, if I had a little more, I'd be good. Did you ever played that game? You look at your bills, you look at your income. If I just had like $500 more a month, we'd be fine. Can I just tell you, based on statistics, if you had $500 more a month, I know where you'd be. You'd be about $500 more a month away from where you need to be. As soon as we get a little bit more, we figure out how to spend that. We go from shopping at Walmart to shopping at Target. Ooh, man, we have moved up a notch. Then we go from Target to, to Ross's and Marshall's. And if you're like me, you've made it all the way up to Nordstrom Rack. I, don't, I, can't, I can't bring myself to pay full price at Nordstrom, but I go to Nordstrom Rack, I can get a shirt for $15. I feel pretty good about that, right? Hey, we, we got to understand this. If I have a little bit more, I'd be good. That is a lie. We believe it, but it's a lie. No, let me tell you why it's so difficult for us. Because marketing is a multi-billion dollar industry and they are really, really, really good at it. If you're familiar with the phrase big data, anybody at home, do you know what the phrase big data means? That means when you get on your computer and you go to Amazon or you go to Costco.com or you go to Target.com or Walmart, whatever it is, you, you do some shopping, the computer knows that, sends the information to a place, wherever that is, and then they send you in your Facebook feed, in your Instagram feed, ads for the very thing you were just looking at. Have you seen that happen? Can I tell you a freaky one for me? This true story. Two years ago, my wife and I were up in uh, Central California. We were up in uh, Sacramento area. We're on our way back down. We, we left Elk Grove where we have family. And we said, we'll just get something to eat on the way. And we're looking and there's nothing. So my wife looks up uh, and finds that there's a little airport just off the freeway with a diner. Now, our little airport with a diner right here in town is really good. With Hey, let's worth a shot. So we pull off the freeway. We go into this little diner by the airport. It is really good. We liked it. Two years ago. One year ago, we were up in that same vicinity. We're coming back. We said, hey, remember that diner? That was good, wasn't it? We didn't stop. And we weren't even as far as that up the freeway. We were, we were close, but we were still like an hour away. Remember that? Yeah, that was really good. Within about 30 minutes, I'm scrolling through Instagram. By the way, my wife is driving. And there comes an ad for that little diner. And I'm like, did they hear me say that? 
Are they listening? It gets worse, doesn't it? Have you ever just had one of those days where like, like this weekend, it's supposed to be a high of 52 and raining? I, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, don't be surprised if you're scanning through Facebook and there's an ad for rain boots. Just don't be surprised. Like they know they are good at it. That's big data. Okay. So because they're so good at it, we have to be in trouble. We have to be careful. And, and here's the trouble. The problem is our yearnings are always greater than our earnings. Oh, some of you didn't get that. Let me slow down and say that one again. The problem is our yearnings are always greater than our earnings. Have you ever heard this one? You have a champagne taste on a beer budget. Like you can afford beer, but you want the champagne, right? So you can afford Walmart, but you want Nordstrom. That, that's what it's saying. We, we, we always are going to find ourselves that way. By the way, this is a truth because it comes from the word of God. Ecclesiastes 5.10, listen to this. Whoever, by the way, that would include any of us. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. By the way, Ecclesiastes is a horribly depressing book. If you're not feeling good, don't read that one. Go somewhere else. But he's just saying, you know what? There's no end to it. You're, you're never going to be satisfied. Let me just throw in another truth. I know we're not to the truth yet, but I can't wait. The only satisfaction you're really going to get in life is when you find a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then, this is the cool thing, everything else is icing on the cake. But until that happens, you're always going to have a void. You're always going to have an emptiness. You're not going to be totally satisfied. You think that that car is going to do it for you, and the moment you drive it off the lot, you're like... Oh, did I make a mistake? It's called buyer's remorse, right? Line number three. It's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. And we just read from 1 Chronicles 29. And since you already have it memorized, I'm not going to read it again. But you remember what David said? It all comes from you. It's not ours. It's his. And I'm literally just returning to God what he's entrusted to me. Here's another verse, short little verse, Psalm 24, verse one. Let's read this out loud together. Okay, all of us, can we throw it up there? Here we go. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That pretty well covers everything, doesn't it? The world and everything in it and everybody who lives in it, it's like everything belongs to God. And then he entrusts us with some of this stuff. Here's another interesting principle I want you to get. Possession does not equal ownership. Let's say you're at work and you have keys to the warehouse because you work there. And so you're in the warehouse. That doesn't mean everything in the warehouse belongs to you. You can't just take whatever you want. I mean, people do that. There's a better picture of it. My, one of my brother-in-laws, his name is Dave. Dave, over the years, has always had great cars. Um, He's had a few different Porsches. He's got this really cool Audi right now. He's, got, he's had really cool cars. And it was always one of my daydreams because he likes to travel too. It was always one of my daydreams, like just be out in, in my backyard pulling weeds or something stupid. But I mean, I'm daydreaming that Dave's going to call me up and he's going to say, hey, I need to go to some other place in the world for like six months and I really need you to take care of my Porsche. That's one of my daydreams. So let's say it happens, he calls me up because I'm going to go to, you know, Hawaii for six months and uh, I, I need you to take care of my Porsche, my 911 Carrera convertible. Okay, okay, you don't have to convince me, I'll do it. And so I, I get to drive it for six months and, and I put oil in it, and I put gas in it, I make sure everything's okay and, I, and I, you can't let those things just sit around. 
Can I get an amen? Amen. So, so, you, so I'm driving it. Now, while he's gone, whose car is it? Still his. I have possession, but that's not ownership. And, and the stuff that I have in this life is not mine. It's God's, and he entrusts it to me. So let's get to the truths. Truth number one. Sounds like a lie, but listen to this. God is the one who determines how much I have, not me. Now, the reason it sounds like a lie is because we very quickly push back. Yeah, but I'm the one who works, and I'm the one who went to school, and I'm the one who got that extra degree, and I'm the one who puts in the overtime, and I'm the one who has two jobs, three jobs, just to make everything. It's like, no, God is the one who determines how much I have, not me. Here it is again, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, I don't know if we have any talking heads fans here, but as soon as I say that phrase, I think of a particular song. Just throwing it out there. You may say to yourself, you know, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, as soon as I read it, I did it again. I couldn't help myself. You may say to yourself, you may have a nice house. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Does anybody know the song I'm talking about? Okay, some of you do. Some of you are old like me and we get it. Okay. You, I can't even read that part. I'm going to move on. No, I'm going to do it one more time. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Listen to verse 18. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You may say to yourself, <laughs> I did this. And he says, no, God made that possible in your life. God gave you the ability. God, God gave you the breath you're taking right now. <laughs> Let's just all say thank you. Thank you. Take another breath. Thank you. It's like the only reason we're here is because of him. Listen to this, Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That comes at the end of a passage. By the way, if you're in one of our life groups right now, you're going to be working your way through a bunch of verses in Matthew 6. And this is one of the last ones. He's been talking about, you don't have to worry about all this stuff. All the stuff we worry about when it comes to our finances and our possessions, where we're going to live and what we're going to wear, and what we're going to eat. And he says, no, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And he's going to provide everything. Here's another thing. Sounds like a lie, but it's a truth. Truth number two, God has the power to turn off the blessings in my life. See, the moment we think it's all up to us and it's, it's our ability, our, then we think we're in control of this whole thing. But you know, if God wanted to, he could remove that job. He could remove that company. He could remove that leader. He could remove that structure, that system. Somebody was asking me uh, last week if I dabble in stocks. And I'm like, no. I have stuff like in my retirement account, I keep adding to, but it's like, it's in stuff and I don't move it. I don't move it around. I don't dabble with that stuff. And quite honestly, the reason is, is because about 12, 12 years ago, I got nailed by the crash. And if I would have had somebody smarter managing that stuff from me, I wouldn't have got hurt as bad. So I just said, you know what? I'm gonna let somebody smarter than me deal with that stuff. Now, it wasn't like millions of dollars. I mean, you've seen my plane. You know, it was like $49 one way. That's, that's all I can afford. But I got hurt and I was like, no, I'm not going there, right? God, could, God can change our economy in a night. We could wake up the next day and it's all done. It's all gone. 
There's a verse in the Bible. I'm going to get to Proverbs in a minute, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, God opposes the proud. I did this. I made this. My abilities, my time, my... God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. I want to be on the grace side. So listen to this, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So this is the positive side of this promise. He can also pour out blessing. But the truth is, God has the power to turn off the blessing in my life if I become proud and arrogant and I think to myself, I, I did this. God can just pull the, the carpet out from underneath me right there. Here's another truth that sounds like a lie. Living by God's principles is the only way out of my financial problems. The reason it sounds like it's a lie is because we want to say it's one of the ways. But it's the only way. If we're going to truly find financial freedom. Now, I know people who are financially successful who have thumbed their nose at God, ignored him, done their own thing, and they've become fabulously wealthy. But I can't even begin to comprehend the level of stress and anxiety they carry every day of their life. Maybe you've seen it too, where somebody wins the lottery. You know, again, daydream moment. You're out pulling weeds. What if I had $800 million? Yeah, it's a nice daydream, but one third of the people who win the lottery are bankrupt within three years. More, more money does not solve all the problems. Sometimes it just, it just puts a magnifier on the problems that were already there and existing. Living by God's principles is the only way out of my financial problems. Let me explain that. The reason we think it sounds like a lie is because we tend to compartmentalize. And we say, I've got my social life over here. I've got my church life over here. I got my work life over here. I got my financial life over here. I got my friend life over here. That's different than my social life because that's social media. And this is friend, like actual people that I actually know I actually talk to. So I have all these different compartments, right? And we think, you know, if I have a problem in one of them, I'm going to be okay and it's going to work out. And, and the other ones will help. Sounds really familiar to me. Can we show them a picture of this ship? Anybody know the name of this ship? The Titanic. And if you've seen the movie, oh, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So the Titanic, the reason they thought it was the unsinkable ship, does anybody know why? It had compartments. It had all these compartments, and they thought if one got flooded, then they would be fine. Well, we know how it went. Didn't work so well. Even if we try to compartmentalize our life, the reality is one problem can sink the whole thing. That's two in our life. So kind of like those two different planes, let me show you a different boat. Let's just say you have a little tiny boat like this. Let's go back to the marriage picture. It's just, just you and your wife. And out of the two of you, one of you has a real spending debt problem, but both of you don't. And so you're probably going to be okay, right? And so only one of you drills a hole in the bottom of that little boat. Now, honestly, okay, is that going to affect both of you or just one of you? <laughs> It's going to affect both of you. The only way out of this trouble is with God's help and God's principles. 
I need, I can't, I can't just compartmentalize like God is over here, but my finances are over here and my work life is over here. My family's over here. I, I can't do life that way. In fact, Jesus says you can't do life that way. In fact, I, I've got to be Lord of the whole thing. Not compartments. It's like I'm the Lord of the whole thing. In fact, we cannot spend our way into financial freedom. We cannot borrow our way into financial freedom. We cannot cheat and steal and gamble our way into financial freedom. We can't hope, like wishing upon a star, our way into financial freedom. We've got to trust God. And this is what trust means. Do what he says. And trust him and obey him. Oh, let, me, let me land this jet. <laughs> Since I used that picture earlier. Let, let me land this plane. We'll get out of here. Those of you at home, just stay there. You don't have to go anywhere, right? Okay. Somebody once said this, and forever it has been etched in my heart. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Did you catch that? If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of your marriage and your relationships and your work life and your time at the computer, if he's not Lord of your finances, if he's not Lord of all of that, then he's not really Lord because you're just telling him, hey, I need your help in this area. Could you, could you kind of be in charge of that one? If you're telling Jesus where he can help you out, he's not Lord, you're still Lord. And it's just that simple. And people want to do that with their finances. They want to say, okay, God, hey, listen, I really need your help with my kid. My kid is an idiot. I mean, I, nobody here has said that to me. I'm not quoting anybody. We, we took the videos out of people's homes this year because of COVID. So I don't know what's going on in your house. Nobody said that to me. But people say like, my kid's an idiot. I need some help. And we, we pray, God, God, you are Lord. You're, you can do anything. But man, do not tell me what to do with my finances. Do not tell me what to do at work. Do not tell me. It's like, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so while for the next few weeks, we'll talk about what God says about this critical area of our life. It's literally maybe the, one of the most spiritual series we could do all year. Because financial stuff is a faith thing. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. And some of you are just like one right decision away from really getting it with God. Because this is the area, the compartment you've held back from him. The last thing you want to do is walk up to Jesus and Jesus said, sell everything you have and come follow me. But I got some nice stuff, Jesus. You know, by the way, do you know he only said that to one person? He didn't say that to everybody. Do you ever ask yourself, why did he say to that one guy, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me? Why do you think he said that to that one guy? Because <laughs> that was a huge compartment in his life that was not turned over to God. He was morally pure. He said he was. But that was one area he hadn't. So Jesus like, well, if I'm not going to be Lord of that area, I can't be Lord at all. That's what you need to do. And somebody else might need that. But most of it's just like, we just have to understand that what we've been talking about, everything belongs to him. We get to use it. And, and the, the cool thing is we should be able to use it and enjoy using it most when we're using it to honor him and to glorify him. Okay, so I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for giving us the breath that we have right now, the abilities we have, the gifts, the, the time, the energy, the creativity. God, all of that comes from you. 
And I pray, Lord, over the next few weeks that you would continue to open our hearts, open my heart even more to understand what your word has to say about this critical area of our life. Because we know, God, we can't serve both you and money. We want to serve you. We want to serve you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.